For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Welcome to The Gospel Life with Pastors Rob Mayer and Kyle Rogers, guys. Wonderful to see you. Great to see you as well, Jay. How you doing, as Rob? Always. Man, doing good. That's it. Dig it in. It's the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. It's just fourth quarter tough right now. Dig deep, buddy. Dig deep. That's right. Today's episode, Biblical Covenants. Covenant, that sounds like a biblical word. <laughs> yep. A little confusing. Uh, let's uh, maybe first start with uh, what on earth is a covenant? Pastor Kyle? Yeah, a covenant biblically is a formal relationship between two parties based on promise. So a formal relationship between two parties based on promise. I think when we hear covenant, the alternative to contrast to give some definition to it is a contract. Covenant and contract are two things that we can commit to one another. A contract is a formal agreement between two parties based on expectations. And usually it's not a relational uh, agreement. It's usually just facts and information. I am contractually obligated to pay my Costco dues. And if I do not, they will not let me in the door. Zero relationship considered. No grace. I go to buy the hot dog and didn't pay it. They're kicking me out, right? That's a contract. I entered into a contract with Costco. To, uh, on the other side of that, in the Bible, we have covenants expressed where it's actually relationships between two people or actually between God and man that are formal, they're very relational, and they're based on promises. They're based on commitments. So that's at a big picture, 30,000 foot level, what a covenant is. Thank you. Uh, big picture. Uh, let's keep that going. What, what are some of the examples we see and, and where does it start? Well, we see it starting right in the opening chapters of the Bible. You know, we see in Genesis chapter one and two, where uh, God has relationship with Adam and Eve. He is walking with them. He's in relationship with them. He is committing to them, although they don't understand the extent Hmm. to that commitment. But we have creator, we have created ones, and we have a relationship. Uh, we have an we have an established covenant, uh, covenant, but here's the reality of the covenant: is that it's it's based upon relational commitment and love for the other. Mm-hmm. And we understand it's a covenant because right when Adam and Eve sin, mm. and they understand that sin, and they they leave and they hide from God. God, what does He do? He pursues them. Mm-hmm. He pursues them. He calls out to them. He has a, a com- he's made a commitment to them. He has love for them. It's mm. it's not based upon what they've done. A contract says it's an exchange of goods and services. You do this, and then you give me this in return. If that doesn't happen, we break that contract. No, a covenant says, well, you failed on this end, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And so we see God pursuing mm. Adam, calling out to him, and then actually establishing the first covenant Mm -hmm. to all humanity Mm -hmm. that essentially says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now there is consequence Mm -hmm. to this relationship has been severed because I am perfect and you are not. You have sinned, you've fallen short of my glory. And to be in relationship with me as we've had in this covenant, it's it's not going to change in a sense of my love for you, but it has to change in a sense of our, our relating together. But mm-hmm. I will come and I will fix all that is broken. And so uh, that first covenant with, with Adam is really a promise to 
all people, that God will establish and continue to relate to his people in the way in which he promises to do so. And and he promises in Genesis chapter 315 that I will send someone who will fix all that is wrong. And ultimately we discover through this promise, it's a promise of sending the Messiah to bring back relationship between God and man. The snake crusher yeah. who will crush the head of the serpent. Snake Crusher. That'd be a great band name. That would be. Snake Crushers. I like it. Well, that's a big sweeping narrative. And obviously the Bible is big. God's word is deep. Let's work our way through it. Let's get get from Adam in the garden to the coming Messiah. Where else do we see covenants? Yeah, I love that. Uh, I think in that, we, the next one that we see is with Noah, the covenant that God makes with Noah. And before we get to that one, I think it's important for us to recognize that the Bible has covenants all throughout it. And that's what you're getting to, mm-hmm. that it's not just in Genesis, one covenant made, okay, now game over. Covenants, you can think of them as almost like the backbone of the Bible, mm-hmm. God's promise through the Bible. It's almost the rebar by which the entire Bible and the story of God is held. Mm -hmm. God's promises backbone through all of it. So from Genesis to Revelation, you actually see promises being made, these covenants. So to get to that, the next one is in Genesis 9. It's the Noahic covenant. Um, Basically, after God sees the destruction or sees the wickedness on earth, he says, uh, I think it says in Genesis 7, that he perceives that the heart of man was wicked um, and committed to wickedness. Everybody's heart is committed to this. Um, He brings a flood and destroys life, but he sends an ark and actually calls Noah to build an ark to be the the rescue that the family of Noah is hidden in from the waters of destruction. On the other side of that, the flood starts to recede and they're like, now what? <laughs> you just, you God, you brought destruction for sin. Now what? Is this going to happen again every time we sin? Because this is what happens when we sin. Are you going to do it again? And this is what God says to Noah in Genesis 9. He makes a promise to him. He says, I will never again curse the ground because of man. This is Genesis 9, 21 to 22. Neither will I strike down every living creature as I have done. And then Genesis 9, 11, I will establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off from by the waters of the flood. So he's saying that your sin brought wrath and judgment and destruction. But now I'm making a promise to you and to every living creature. I'm never going to do that again. So I'm entering into a formal relationship with you based on my promise, my commitment. I will never do this again. Noahic covenant. And then he gives them a sign for the covenant. Mm. Oftentimes, as we see these covenants, Mm -hmm. there's always pictures to represent it, which I love. The sign of the covenant with Adam is the snake crusher. There's a picture that's of the snake crusher to come. With this one, there's a sign of the covenant and it's the rainbow. And this is what God says to Noah in Genesis 9, 12. This is the sign of the covenant that I'll make between me and you. I'll give you a picture. Here it is. I've set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Mm. Now with that, what's a rainbow? We see rainbows all the time. We go, oh, that's nice, right? Well, that's a pretty picture. All the colors are represented, but God's saying, I'm setting my rainbow, my bow in the sky. And what is it? It's a war bow. Hmm. I'm setting the bow in the sky. And who's it pointed at? Not you, not destruction for you that I just brought through the waters and the flood. It's pointed at me because the commitment that I'm making, I will not break it. 
I promise to not break it. This sign isn't pointed at you. It's actually pointed at me, which gives some allusions, some foreshadowing to God actually being pierced, God mm. actually taking the consequence of sin in Jesus, which we don't want to get to that too quick, mm. but he sets his war bow in the sky to say, I'm committed to you uh, and nothing's going to keep me from fulfilling my commitment. Yeah. And he says throughout scripture, I will never leave you or forsake you. And humanity gets themselves into trouble and, <laughs> and, and we see God continuing pers- pursuing them like through, as he did with Adam, as he did through Noah. And as we see this, these covenants are this one-way love of God yeah. pointed down on his people that he will never leave them. He will never forsake him. When he promises to uh, endure and long suffer mm-hmm. and come along and love and provide for and care, he does it. And so these covenants that, w- that we see that are the backbone that do run through scripture, they're just mm-hmm. God reminding his people of what he said he will do yes. and he will never leave his mm-hmm. people. So good. Boy, it's tough to move so quickly, uh, like you said, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like we could camp on any one of these mm-hmm. for uh, many days. But uh, uh, let's keep it moving. After the covenant with Noah, what do we see next in scripture? Yeah, we see the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm. We see God choosing a man, Abram, and saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to fill the earth through you. I'm going to, uh, establish my relationship with you and you're going to be the father of nations. You're going to be the father of faith. And so he makes this promise. We see it in Genesis 12 and Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis 12 chapter, uh, chapter 12 verses two, he says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whom dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God makes a promise with Abram. Mm -hmm. He changes his name to Abraham and he says, I am going to bless the earth through you. And he does this in a miraculous way, showing this one way love as 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 abraham is learning to trust god learning to uh bank on god's promises you know he's kind of stumbling and bumbling if you read much of genesis genesis 12 through 15 then you see god actually showcases how he keeps his covenant promises to his people you know a contract once again is Mm -hmm. you know oftentimes it's two-sided and, you know, it's, it's goods and services. And if you fail on your end, well, that's the whole thing's, you know, not going to work. That's a contract. But the covenant of God, God actually satisfies his promise. And he shows this through, through Abraham falling asleep. And in that day, you would actually, to establish a relationship with another party, you actually would cut several animals right down the middle and you'd put them on both sides. And you would then together walk through... And be looking to your right and to your left and seeing nothing but dead carcasses and go, if I don't uphold my end, this is me. (laughs) Yeah. This is me. Yep. Well, Abraham doesn't even walk Mm -hmm. through. Actually, it says that God himself Mm. walks on behalf of Abraham Mm -hmm. to uphold Abraham's side and his side. And it's a beautiful picture, once again, of how God covenants with man. Yeah. He does all of the work. Yeah. Amen. He walks through and he essentially says, I will be faithful to myself Mm -hmm. to keep this covenant promise that I've made to Abraham. Yeah. And 
Oh, it's so good. We see a beautiful way and of God doing that. And it's not dependent on Abraham's behavior. Because he, he's kind of a jokester. Yeah. Like, he lies all the time. He puts his wife at risk. He does these things that we're like, bro, you would have lost the, the contract a long time right. ago. Yeah. You violated the contract of relationship with God. But it's not contract. It's covenant. It's mm. God's one-way committed love. It's so good. It yeah. Makes me want to ask, what does this reveal? The fact that God does establish these covenants, as we've covered three of them now, what does it say about his character? He uh, is a a promise-making and promise-keeping God. That's who he is. He makes promises, but he doesn't make empty promises. He makes promises that he fulfills, which points me to just the big general category of God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. He's faithful to fulfill his end of the the commitment. So I think that's one. Yeah, there's a Hebrew word called hesed, Mm -hmm. which is essentially one-way love, which describes the character of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, much of which Kyle just described. It's this... It's this love that is not dependent upon anyone else but himself. Mm. It's a one-way love. It's a love that really can carry both parties. Mm. And that's that's really the love of God. That's yeah. when God says, I will never leave you or forsake. It doesn't, doesn't mean that God hasn't had reason to leave us and right, forsake right. us. Right. No joke. Yep. He actually chooses not to. Yeah, yeah I, I can't help but think, you know, the God who created galaxies you know, and mountains and oceans and created us, decided to have a relationship with us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for the purpose of knowing him yeah. and knowing God's glory and grace and mercy that we, and that we get to experience these things. Yeah. It's just that he even initiated that yeah. is uh, spectacular, humbling. It's beautiful. And he initiates it with massive amounts of empathy one-way love he's faithful but then he knows that abraham he can't walk through (laughs) so he goes take a nap buddy (laughs) like just sit this one out you're not able to do it i'm gonna do it for you that's that's amazing the grace that god has for us and empathy is unreal and something to remember yeah yeah and bank on and what god is doing in in this covenant relationship with us is he's giving us He's sharing himself. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks a lot about um, the reward. Well, God is the reward. Amen. And that's the relationship we have. And I mean, you know, we're looking in the world for all kinds of things, namely satisfaction. Hmm. You know, satisfaction and meaning and purpose and having value. But God in sharing himself gives us all those things. Hmm. So he is the great reward. And so what God is doing in this covenant is giving us himself so we can know him, like you said, Jay. And that is the greatest gift we could ever have is God just letting us be with him. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And and he wants that. And he's sharing himself with us, which I think is so so remarkable. Yeah. So Abram, Abraham. Yep. Yep. Who's next? Moses. So we have the Noahic covenant, we have the Abrahamic covenant, and then we have the Mosaic covenant. And this covenant's a little bit interesting because I think so far we've seen with Noah and we've seen with Abraham a one-way commitment that there's nothing required on the other side. So there's no role that Abraham plays. I mean, God 
tells him to leave that land of Ur and he leaves, but really God motivated him to, to do that, right? This one, though, with the Mosaic Covenant, we actually see that God gives his people a role to play, uh. which then unpacks a little bit more as we go throughout the storyline of Scripture. So this one is found in Exodus 19 and in Exodus 24. Uh, and this is right after the people of Israel have been rescued out of Egypt through the slain blood of the lamb over their doorposts, brought through the Red Sea, and now they're on the other side of the Red Sea, entering into this wilderness, really fulfilling and on a journey to fulfill the covenant and promise God made to Abraham. Mm. I'll give you the land. And then they're in slavery. Wait a second. Was your faithfulness and promise compromised? Uh. Heck no. He's actually continuing to do it. So what God's doing now with the people of Israel is being faithful to fulfill his first covenant with Abraham. But then they get to the base of this mountain and God calls Moses up to the top of the mountain. And then our episode on the law, we talked more about this. But with this one, after giving the law to the people, after giving the law to Moses, this is what God says. He says, you will be my treasured possession. You will possess this land going back to the covenant with Abraham and you will become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm. I'm going to make you a people set apart from the rest of the people. I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests, which is amazing. A priest had direct contact with God, had interactions with God in the old covenant to the closest that you could get to God, basically saying, you're going to be close to me. I'm going to give you this land and you're going to be set apart as my holy people. But then here's the deal. Here's your role. Mm. If you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, I'll make this promise. But your role is be faithful to fulfill the law that I'm giving you. Be the people I've called you to be. He says in Genesis 19.5, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Genesis 24.3, and then the people of, of Israel tell God this, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Mm. And then they seal the covenant with a sign. Right after this, it says, Moses took the blood that he put in bowls and threw it on the people, which that's crazy. <laughs> All right, people, blood party. He throws the blood and he says, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. So what's going on here? God's saying, I'll make you a holy people. I'll give you this land. Fulfill my law. Be the people I've called you to be. We seal this covenant in blood. God's people said, yes, we will do it. It is a committed formal relationship based on promise but this one's different than the other two. I sense something's going to go wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you see the illusion, right? You see where it's pointing. Do you think God's people were faithful to fulfill their end? I don't know how they could be. All the words will do. I love the phrasing there. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. That is a high call. And guess how long they last? Yeah, not very long. <laughs> not even a day, right? They fail instantly. But because it's a covenant that God promised... Does that cause him to bail on them? No. There's consequences for it because of their own sin, but that doesn't change God's commitment to them. Mm. So this is a new one and an interesting covenant based a little bit different than the other two. Yeah, it's interesting how this one really involves the other party mm. and shows even in, gr in a greater way the covenant faithfulness of God. Mm -hmm. Because as we now have a role to play as the people of God, we see that God now is going to remain even more faithful yes. to his promises. And so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it is, it is now showcasing the relationship 
that we have in this covenant, that it's, it is a, a beautiful picture, but there is a standard. There is yes. a requirement to be in relationship with God, which um, is a beautiful thing that we must see to understand yep. really, really more so who God is and ultimately what he has to do to satisfy his end, to satisfy our end of the covenant. Yeah. Is it not a little bit of a trick question or, a, you know, setting them up for disaster? Here's this covenant and they can't live up to it. Well, how could that be good? <laughs> well, in and of itself, if a story ends there, close the book. Of course, it's not good. But all of these are pointers. Yep. I think we oftentimes get so myopic in a text that we go, this is the only story going on. Oh, no, no, no. Remember what we said at the beginning, these covenants are a backbone to the whole story. Yeah. The one in Genesis points to another. The one with Noah has a, a war bow in the sky pointing to another. The mm. one with Abraham has somebody passing through split bodies and making a covenant, huh. pointing to someone better. And this one, there's blood sprinkled and shed for the sake of keeping the covenant. It's pointing to someone else. Mm. There's someone that these covenants are pointing to. There's, it's pointing somewhere. So I think if we think of it just in an individual story, we go, yeah, trick question. That's not fair, God. But he's pointing to something and it's building. Mm. Yeah. Pointing, building, what's next? The next covenant that we see is from 2 Samuel 7. This is the Davidic covenant. Um, so this one we won't spend a whole lot of time on, but basically God says to David, I will make you a great name. I'll appoint a place for my people Israel and I'll plant them. I'll give you rest from your enemies. That's 2 Samuel 7, 9 through 11. He's saying... Uh, the people longed for a king and they got you, but there's, uh, I'm going to establish my people. I'm going to give my people a land. I'm going to give them rest from their enemies. That's a promise I'm making to you. And then he makes a better promise that in light of what you're saying is pointing elsewhere. This is right after in second Samuel seven 11, he tells David, David, I made this promise to you about the people, but when your days are full, David, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I'll establish his kingdom. So God makes a covenant with David to say, I'll give you the land. I'll give you rest from your enemies. I'm actually going to make a temple and a place for myself to dwell. And it's going to come through you. I'm making this promise and it's going to be through your offspring. Mm. And I think we can think, oh yeah, that's, that's Solomon. Solomon was David's son. He's the one that built the temple. That's who this is talking about. But actually it's not. It's pointing to somebody in the future. He says, he, this offspring that's going to come from you, that's going to be the perfect picture of this covenant, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. forever. Mm. That's not Solomon. Solomon didn't have a forever throne. It's pointing to someone better. And then he says, I, the Lord, will be to him a father and he shall be a son to me. And then get this picture of Jesus. I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men, but my steadfast love will never depart from him. What? Yeah. He's actually saying that I'm going to send someone to establish my kingdom throne forever. That's what the, the promise that I'm making. And he's going to be disciplined with stripes and he's going to be punished, but I'm never going to take my steadfast love from him. 
there's these allusions to someone else coming, a reigning king coming that's going to be beaten and wounded, but actually is a son to the father. Uh, this is pointing and building to somebody. And I don't want to give it away too quick. And I know <laughs> where we're building to, yeah. but it, I want you to get kind of tension here. It's building to someone better. Yeah. And what we're seeing in and through this is a connection to really that original covenant. We're seeing that snake crusher. We're seeing yes. that God must do something and if he's going to rescue humanity, it's got to be through humanity. And I, I notice as we're talking about these covenants that, that each of them kind of get closer and yeah. closer and closer yeah. to man. Yeah. yeah, right. And really, as nice. we establish this, this covenant, it actually has to happen inside man. For us to have relationship with God, for the people of God to actually participate with this covenant, it's got to be inside man. There's got to be an indwelling. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get to the next covenant, the, the new covenant. We have these covenants, but as we, as we look, they're all pointing and they're pointing to the fulfillment, the fruition, mm-hmm. the, the forever establishing new covenant. And it says, it's predicted in Jeremiah 31, 31. It says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, my people, the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, not like all the ones we just talked about. When I took them out of Egypt, talking about the Mosaic covenant, my covenant that they broke. (laughs) And then he continues, but this is the covenant that I will make with them. I will put my law not out here, not on tablets of stone, but within them. And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall become my people. They actually truly will be able to relate. We will be able together to enjoy each other for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And then in Luke, we see In chapter 22, this cup that is poured for you is the new covenant of my blood. This is Jesus Christ saying, this is how this is all Mm. going to happen. He's saying, I'm going to the cross and I've predicted my death. I've predicted my resurrection, but this is how you get a new spirit. How you become born again is I come into you. Yeah through my life, through my death, through my resurrection, by faith, this one-way love, this grace will change everything about our relationship forevermore. And the new covenant is established through Jesus because of what he's done. Boy, what comes to mind, uh, you know, amen. (laughs) What comes to mind is there is in these covenants an eternal aspect and the frailty of man aspect mm-hmm. and the creature aspect. Mm-hmm. There is the forever promise, the covenant of one way love. Mm-hmm. And then you have blood mm-hmm. and death and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have this eternal love mm-hmm. and you have death, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a frailty and a brokenness. Mm-hmm. And God seems to be revealing throughout all of scripture his infinitude, mm-hmm. our frailty, mm-hmm. and then and the devastation of sin. Mm-hmm. And the costliness of sin mm. being death. Mm. And it's displayed in, in sacrifices and, and in the, the covenant promise as well. Yeah, which makes Jesus 
uh, just uh, the arrival of Jesus so much more wonderful mm. because he comes and he becomes frail for us. He takes the blood on him. He gets treated the way that we deserve. You have the massive infinitude of God and then the weakness and fragility of man and death and blood. And then those things merge yeah. in the person and work of Christ. Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm the new covenant. I'm it. It's been building to me and I'm here. And think about that meal that they had. Right before Jesus goes to the cross, he has a meal with his disciples where it's the Passover meal that goes back yes, to the Mosaic yes. covenant. And he says, I'm the lamb that's been talked about all along. It's my blood that's the new covenant that Jeremiah talked about. In Jeremiah, the words new covenant were used. Yeah. I'm him. <laughs> yeah. He's here, which secures God's people now. Not because God fulfills his end of the bargain for us. Yeah. <laughs> he Amen. fulfills the righteousness we need. And now we're secure in this forever new covenant. And this is the last covenant. This is the last one because everything changes because of this. Now we are in a relationship with God that's secured because his law is in our hearts. He's given us his desires. They will be my pe I will be their God and they will be my people. I'll forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Game over. Yeah. We're in the new covenant, folks. We're here. <laughs> so no more sacrifices needed? None. <laughs> no. He is the final sacrifice. No, I mean, now let's go back to that snake crushing scene, <laughs> right? Where God promises in Genesis 3.15, this is how we see the Bible as as one grand story. It's, it's not a bunch of disconnected stories. Yeah. It's one story from Genesis to Revelation that these covenants are the, the backbone. I, I liked how you said that, Kyle, just the backbone of it. But they're all connected. You know, in the garden, when Adam sinned, God pursued him. He pursued Adam. He went after him. In the new covenant, God left heaven mm. and came to earth pursuing mm. yep, come on. humanity. We see that when in the garden, Adam was found by God himself. He then covered him through a sacrifice. Mm. He covered him. Yeah. He, he killed an animal and he covered his body. We see here in the new covenant through Jesus Christ, there was a sacrifice. Jesus going to the cross in our place for our sin. His blood was spilled as was predicted and his life through his blood covers us so that we can be in a covenant relationship with God. We yeah. can relate to God. We can know God. We can understand God. We can grow. All of our life is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. We are not trying to earn or work because yes. of the covenant faithfulness of God. We are in we are safe. We are secure forevermore. We are covered. There's nothing more to get. There's nothing more to accomplish or achieve. Jesus paid it all. It is accomplished. It is finished. And we are in and enjoying. And that's a Christian life. Yeah. Learning to enjoy the covenant faithfulness of God, trusting him yeah. with everything. Yeah. We see in Ephesians that this is predestined. So God had, had a plan, a, a truth, a certainty that was going to play out through all of humanity, and he's done so, and also through his word and through his people has, has made covenants along the way. Jesus comes, finishes it, and unites us to the Father for good, 
Our inheritance is secure, etc. But what's next? Is there a next? The first thing that my mind goes to is kind of what Rob was saying. Now we live in light of that. So that changes the way that we live. Mm-hmm. It changes the way that we interact with God. We don't need to crawl ourselves back anymore and make empty promises. All the, the words of the covenant I'll fulfill. No, God already did that for us. We're safe and secure. We can work out and grow in our Christian life from a place of security, knowing as Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 36, that is, or God says through that, that he is alive in us. He's given us his spirit to change our desires. We now live in light of that. And we look forward to the promise that he makes also through the new covenant that he's going to come back. Mm. That this, we're not just in this in between forever, because I would argue while the new covenant is amazing, we're still in a little bit of a tension. Well, yes, I'm secure. Yes, I'm safe. Yes, I have a relationship with God still, but my flesh still really loves my sin. I'm still, as Paul says, in this body of death. There's still a tension that actually Jesus promises to come back and put an end to one day. Yeah. That we're looking forward to something else, that a covenant and promise made through the new covenant that he will come back and he will make all things new and we'll be like him when that happens. The tension isn't a forever tension. So it's okay for us to acknowledge it, but also be looking. And if we know through all of these covenants, Mm. as we've said, God always kept his promise. That's why we can know that he'll keep the next one. Mm. Do we know when he's coming back? No clue. Nobody knows. But Paul writes letters like to the the, uh, church of Thessalonica, first Thessalonians. He's coming. Mm. He's faithful to fulfill his promise. He'll surely do it. And he'll sanctify you along the way. (laughs) Like he's trustworthy. That's the best news, man. Yeah, and within this covenant faithfulness, receiving this, living in light of this, we also get to, you know, extend that, this covenant faithfulness to one another. See, this is what it looks like inside the church. This is why we talk about marriage as a covenant. Mm. Mm. This is why, um, you know, divorce should not be something practiced inside the church because it's, it's, it's actually marriage should be an extension of the covenant faithfulness of God one to another, working all things out, wrestling through issues and, and situations, not just within the context of marriage, but also gospel community, listening, learning, loving, saying, I will, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you as well. I'm going to enter in. I'm going to do the hard work. Now we know that there's a breakdown Mm -hmm. between two sinful people and there are issues and reasons. And and that's why we, we work these things out within the biblical context and we do all these things. But the reality is in our relationships, they should reflect this covenant faithfulness from one Christian brother or sister. Mm. They should be flowing in inside the church to one another. Mm. Amen. How do you give a picture of what that might look like for us in, in gospel community? Yeah, I think what Rob's um, speaking to is uh, now in light of the covenant that we have with God, the new covenant, now we live differently in the way that we relate to each other. So marriage, as you said, is one of them. Mm -hmm. The other one, as you mentioned, is our relationships within the context of the local church. So within community, in my gospel community, Kyle and Emily's GC up on the Shaw Road, (laughs) right? When you sin against me, that doesn't change my committed faithfulness to you. And when I sin against you, that doesn't change your committed faithfulness to me, right? We're actually going to stick this out. 
and we're going to enter into conversations together so that we can seek reconciliation in light of being in you know second corinthians we've been given this beautiful gift of new life and new creation for the sake of being ministers of reconciliation let's work this out together let's not bail on each other and we do all of that in light of god's covenant love with yeah, us yeah and that's sustaining me and fueling me to do that hard work now by god's grace um, that, that the amount of times that uh, I have been sinned against or someone has sinned against me in a way that's led to that type of conversation have been pretty few, but each time they've been amazing where forgiveness is extended and received in light of the forgiveness we've received. And it always, when we're willing to work through that, works towards unity, works towards the glory of God in a way that's supernatural. It's not natural. It is God doing it Amen. as a reflection of the covenant we have with him. Yeah, they will know you're my disciples by the way you love. That's yes. what Jesus said in John 13, 35. I think too often we lose sight of God's covenant faithfulness to us. Therefore, we start living in our relationships. Conditional. Yes. As contracts. Contracts. Yep. Conditional contracts. And we're not reflecting the love of God. You know, you, you forgive because you've been forgiven. Yeah. You know, you love because you've been loved. And that's why it's so vital and important to hear the gospel yeah. all the time. Yeah. Because when you hear the gospel, you, you, for the gospel to be good news, you first get bad news where you need forgiving. You yes. are a yeah. sinner. Amen. You struggle. You're, you're unfaithful, but God, but God, that's, these are the, the, the best two words in all of scripture, <laughs> but God, yes. but God in his loving kindness and his rich mercy, he loves us. He yeah. never quits loving us. He pursues us. Therefore, when we hear the gospel over and over, the spirit convicts us to go, I need to extend that to my brother. Yeah. I need to extend that to my wife. I need to, I need to lay even, that's why it says when, when we're taking communion, if you have something against your brother, if there's something that's unresolved, lay it aside, go reconcile yeah. and then come back because you don't take communion. You don't enjoy the gifts of God. When you're unwilling to do that, you need to pause and go, you know what? I'm holding this bread and juice here, this wine and going, I need to extend this because yeah. this is how I reflect Praise the nature the Lord. and character of Praise God. the Lord. Isn't it ironic? God brings his law for a good reason. And the law is good, but it does condemn because we fall short. But then we are tempted to hold up our own law or maybe even God's law and wield it over someone else mm -hmm. rather than like God extend grace mm -hmm. and seek reconciliation mm -hmm. through the blood of Christ. Want Jesus most of all, above all, for ourselves and for others. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And in our relationships, we get to reflect that new reality. Uh, I'll share this story because it made such a profound impact on me. But we have dear friends, Ron and Laurel Pentecost. And I remember talking to them and talking to their kids, uh, Ben and Chris. And I can't remember who said it, whether it was Ben or whether it was Ron, but there was a time when Laura was disciplining one of their sons. I think it was Chris when he was a little boy for doing something wrong. And he kept doing it wrong, kept doing it wrong. And she was seeing that her law wasn't working. <laughs> Chris, figure it out, buddy. You, like you're not abiding by the law that we have in this home. So it wasn't working. So she tried another alternative and another route to reflect the way that God relates to us when we sin. The next time he did what he wasn't supposed to, Laurel went to him and said, Hey, Chris, go out in the woods and go grab a stick. And he goes, Okay, that's weird, mom, but whatever. So he goes and gets a stick and he comes back and she says, I want you to hit me with it. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to take the cost for your law breaking. I'm going to take the punishment. And he goes, but mom, you don't deserve that. She said, that's what Christ has done for you. We actually are willing to be sacrificially wounded in love for the other and to bear the cost so that you might experience the love of God. That's what we're called to mm-hmm. in our parenting and our relating and our marriages. That's a picture of Jesus. Not just, I'm willing to pursue you and stick it out, but I'm willing to be killed and, and wounded and hurt for your sake. Yeah. That's grace. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, what a beautiful picture if we actually live that way it would be to the world that is un- oh, unable and unwilling to do these things. That's why I believe the greatest um, evangelical witness that the church could ever have is reconciliation inside the church, bearing with one another their 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 shortcomings, their sin, their failures, forgiving, extending grace upon grace, uh, not giving up. You know, I think we're, we're in a world where, you know, we get hurt inside the church and we can just easily walk away and go to another church. And I just think that's a horrible witness. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, we're, and, and it's not only a horrible witness where if somebody's wronged me or offended me, I can just walk away and ne- hopefully never see them again. And we live in a big enough town to where, you know, you can kind of do that. And then when you see them in the grocery store, oh boy, that's a, that's a real <laughs> awkward time. <laughs> But, but think about this, that also hinders growth in the believer. Because I don't know about you, but the times where I didn't want to reconcile, mm-hmm. but I was in a covenant relationship, yeah. specifically let's talk about with my wife, mm-hmm. the fruit that comes as a result mm-hmm. of that hard work, mm-hmm. that is, that's where I've grown the most. That's mm-hmm. where I've received and understood. I've just more about myself, more about my wife, and I've grown in deeper intimacy and love with her because of the offense that was worked out. And so I think we're at great disadvantage in our culture where we can just walk away and go to a church down the street or we can do this or that. And maybe we'll stick it out in marriage. Maybe we won't. That's also an issue in our culture. But what if we stuck it out inside the local church and we didn't bail on the relationships, but we pressed in even when everything in us is saying, I want to run. Mm-hmm. I think that right there would, would grow God's people and be a witness to the world that our generation has never seen. Mm. Mm, that's good. Amen. So I think from this, you know, we see what we've covered from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We've seen covenants be the backbone of the Bible, God's one-way committed faithful love for his people, not based on their behavior, not based on their merit, not based on their failures or anything that they've done, but totally dependent on his character. Every time he makes a promise, he's faithful to complete it and fulfill it. And ultimately, that culminates in the new covenant that we now have safety and security with the Father by way of the sacrifice of the Son through his Spirit alive in us, which is the seal of this covenant, seal of this inheritance that can never be lost, never be taken away and is ours always and forever. And he changes us from the inside out along the way as we wait for Jesus to come back. But in the meantime, as we wait for Jesus to come back, we live different. Mm. We live as ministers and displayers and reflectors of this covenant in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, in the context of the local church, so that when the world sees the way we relate, they go, that's so otherworldly. That must be what this God is like. Mm. I want him 
That's what we're called to. And yeah. we praise God that that's the beauty of covenant. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us and yeah. do it for your glory. <laughs> yes, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your one-way love. We thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. We thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming from heaven down to earth to live the life we could not live, to die the death that we deserve. And then rising rising from death so that we too might walk in newness of life. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to do this inside your church, the church of Jesus. We ask that we would be a people that press in and don't run away, but grow as a result of practicing this covenant faithfulness. We ask for your grace to abound, to be extended, and for your loving kindness to grow so that your kingdom expands in our community. And we ask for your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to The Gospel Life. If you have any questions at all, or if you'd like to submit any audio questions, you can email us at podcast at glpuallip.com. 